everybody out there. Hello, we're back. Welcome to the show. <laughs> wow. I don't know, I'm singing. That's beautiful. Do, do. Yeah, I'm in a sing-songy mood because I'm listening to a lot more uh, music because of Animal Crossing. Oh, play. yeah, you are. <laughs> sing-songy music. <laughs> I'm more watching a lot of Phineas and Ferb, so it's like... Oh, well, there's a there's a musical number like every episode. Every episode. That's, every Disney, episode. that's Disney for you. Yeah. I always have a musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Rewatch Podcast, where we watch shows, again, that we liked before. Yeah. And then uh, we talk about we it. We talk here. about it. We talk about every episode. We do. And I guess now would be a good time to uh, give a little uh, disclaimer that we have just changed our format. Oh, yeah. A ton. So... We are aiming for more of a discussion-based podcast in that we right. kind of just, I don't know, have a conversation about the episode and just different points of the episode and not so much just running you through the entire episode, like, you know, story point by story point. Right, yeah. We were concerned, well, I was concerned mainly that yes. perhaps that was too boring and I don't want to bore you guys. If you did like the the previous format and the way we were doing that, um, let us know. But we are going to try this new format now, and hopefully you will like it. Hopefully you will uh, think it's a little bit more entertaining than what we've been doing. Yeah. Usually uh, a co-host over here, Brooke, has <laughs> some good innovations. I try. Um, co-host I just, over on this side, Aaron, uh, usually just follows along. I just think, you know, if you've already watched the episode and you've already, you've already seen it or have seen it recently, then you know what happens. Right. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. Let's just talk about what happened. I... And we'll, we'll be silly and goofy about it. Um, I guess another disclaimer, um, we're not going to be super critical of episodes. Yeah. That's just not our thing. If you are a very critical and like, uh, I don't know. Um, IMDB reviewer. Cynical viewer. And perhaps you don't like the newest season. Maybe you based work on for changes. Yes, based on changes they made or whatever. Um, then you might not like our style. And we are sorry about that. But we are just, we enjoy what they give us. And that's just kind of how it is. We don't really pick at it. That's yeah. Not, that's not what we do. Yeah, we're not... Uh, theater majors here like picking at yeah. acting techniques or uh story structure yeah. we might say something about a structure of an episode or we might say about hey like well, i didn't like this episode as much as the last one yeah. but it's not going to be like a i give this a, a 2.9 out of right. 87 stars because they didn't reach my <laughs> expectations yeah and i don't know i i just i tend to just appreciate what they give me because it's season seven, and you know, as you go down, and it's not boring. It's not boring. I, I, you know, I know people can get angry by things that happen and like changes that are made in later seasons and things like that, or like they just think that oh, it's getting tired, or it's getting, or they're just not coming up with good ideas anymore. Or, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really. Or look prime at it that example, way. they didn't get rid of Jake, <laughs> so the show's still okay. It's so great. Um, they didn't I, pull an office. I am an English major, so yes, I, I, I can be critical if I uh, want to. But honestly, with this show, I just love, I love it too much to do that. Yeah. I, I just, I'm here through it. You know, I'm here with it till the end, and I'm gonna see it through. <laughs> and I don't really want to complain about it. 
Yeah. If we so, end up reviewing movies at some point, we might be more critical. Oh, definitely. Movies, I am dumb critical Things, things I'm not emotionally attached to, like I am <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This right. is very much a thing that I like deeply love, and I can't be critical of it too much. You know, that's true, because I don't judge Marvel movies that hard, because I've liked all of them pretty much. Yeah, it's just, if it, if it hits home with me in the heart, and I love it, and I grasp onto it, I can't. I can't diss it. I really can't. It's just not my thing. This is not the thing. Uh, so that's a disclaimer. Uh, let's, I guess, quickly blow through our uh, social media. Oh, yeah. Things. Oh, by the way, I'm Aaron. Yeah. I said her name earlier. Yes, but... I am Brooke. Yeah. Hello. But yeah. And uh, currently, if you haven't uh, figured it out by now, we're currently watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine as all of our episode titles and the episode title of this would reflect, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram at trwpod. And we have an email by the same name at trwpod at gmail.com. You can uh, DM us or email us on either of those things. We also have a Facebook page, Alternative Bird Podcasts, which um, covers this podcast and any other things that we'd like to do in future. We consider this the the start of many things that we'd like to do in the yes, future. It is the start. Yes. So Alternative <laughs> Bird is kind of like an umbrella. I don't know. It's a, it's an umbrella term. It's our it's our company, <laughs> right? Eventually, <laughs> when we're fifty and maybe we've uh, started something, right? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Those are our uh, socials. And then if you could follow us and you know leave a nice review on whatever you're listening to this podcast on, that would be great. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into this actual episode. Brooklyn Nine Nine, season seven, episode nine, Dillman. This was written by Paul Welsh and Madeline Walter and directed by Kyra Sedgwick. Ooh, I would have said Kira, but Kyra, Kira. makes sense. I guess so. Huh. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a cold open, uh, yes. which this style of show often has. It does. And this is another cold open that connects to the entire story. Yeah. It's not one that is just like, a oh, here's a funny little scenario. And then it's separate from the whole uh, story arcs. Yeah. Which I mean... Honestly, when the uh, when the cold open isn't at all attached to the episode, you know the episode's gonna be chock full of jokes. You know it's gonna be like, <laughs> it's gonna be real stupid. You know, like yeah. like good. It's gonna be just real real funny, real real silly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in this one, Jake submits a resume to be on the task force that Holt is on the hiring committee for. It's like I don't know what the task force is doing. They're yeah. They're, they're tasking by force. Tasking by force. The resume was going to be a rap presentation, but Jake dropped it upon seeing Holt's humorless reaction. And yeah. Boyle joins in during the conversation to do like his scripted rap portion of like the presentation. And Jake was like, uh-huh, no, never mind. That actually was never the plan. This and was we're never all adults. a rap. And uh, that wasn't even lyrics I gave you. <laughs> These weren't the lyrics we had agreed upon. <laughs> and uh, Jake quickly uh, like, choose him out of the room. He's like, get out of here. Holt is only able to consider one person for the task force, though. You know, so only one of his detectives. Mm -hmm. And Jake is, like, trying to convince him, uh, but then an explosion goes off. And it's funny, the timing of the explosion, because it's yeah. right when Jake's like, I do great under pressure, and then it, like, bam, and he goes, oh my god, what was that? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny though he says that because that's going to carry on to um, the first thing we're going to talk about <laughs> right yeah he screams um, he screams he screams so we first of all we have a synopsis for you second of all <laughs> second of all <laughs> yeah 
Um, so a box was planted on Jake's desk that exploded and it bombed Scully in red glitter while also causing significant property damage and compromising evidence. Oof. Seemingly a prank gone wrong, the precinct is engaged in a classic whodunit. Or a who has done this. Who has done this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jake, uh, what? He said that he um, it does great under pressure, which is funny because um, we- Supposedly. We we get out into the bullpen here, and um, they you know they're just kind of surveying it. It's it's a lot to take in. Uh, Scully is covered in, covered in red glitter. Oh yeah, he looks like he was shot in the face, but like with glitter. It almost looks like it's painted on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and by a makeup crew. Uh, as they're trying to figure out like what it was, who did this, uh, emotions kind of escalate. Um, and so they all start pointing fingers at each other. And they're accusing one another of like committing the prank, um, and they end up screaming at each other <laughs> specifically. Um, yeah, Charles being like, "Oh, you want to hear screaming?" Even <laughs> even Holt is like yelling, <laughs> and Holt, uh, yeah, he was telling Holt earlier, uh, Jake, that he keeps his calm during things like right. under pressure, and he actually does. Yeah, he's one of the situation. not yellers. He's he's the only one uh, keeping his cool here. Um, I thought th- that this was kind of an interesting little scene with them just uh, just screaming at each other because they're such skilled and experienced, uh, you know, detectives, police officers, you know. Yeah, they're all like over a decade on the force. They're insanely like, yeah, skilled. Um, but they're just reacting so emotionally and yeah. humanly mm-hmm. in this situation. Um, well, I guess because... I, th- I, th- I think it's... I, I don't know if it's just like, look how human they are, but also like, is it just pure comedy? Probably just for pure comedy. Well, I feel like this is a situation in which like pranks happen all the time. Yeah. And they've all become really good friends over the years. Yeah. So like- Oh, I see what you're getting at. Okay. So like they're all being familiar with each other. It's kind of a Whereas, sort of family dynamic instead of a workplace yeah. dynamic where yeah. they can just yell at each other. Whereas like if this was happening between- like a bunch of coworkers that like are newly working together, or like probably be a lot familiar. more probably be a lot more collected and a lot more serious. I love that. I love that explanation. Yeah, that it's just that they're so close with each other. Yeah, that they can resort to screaming at each other, and it doesn't really mean much. Yeah, and Jake definitely, he definitely always does stay calm under pressure. I think he almost does. Yeah, except when something frightens him. Well, initially. when he's in a situation like in an office where explosions normally don't happen, yes, <laughs> that's yeah. that's an appropriate yeah. time, even the for yell. even for someone who is good at keeping their composure to yeah. be surprised. Yeah, whereas I think like so. I'm sure if he was in the middle of like a like a like, shootout or something, or he was like a, I don't there's an I word that's I word. used it. when you're going in something, you're uh, it, in, in, you're inserting yourself into the building, but it's like in something or I, I can't. I don't know. I'm not really, I don't know much about incursion? their terminology. No, no, there's a, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember this. If they're like, you know, drug bust and they're going in okay. and there, an explosion goes off, he'd probably be like, ooh, what was that? And not yeah. like, ah! He wouldn't yell. That would be a Charles thing probably. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Charles. Um, yeah, he's he's the voice of re- reason during all the screaming. Um, you know, I was to like, his own benefit, of course. Yeah, and I got, and I, I was just wondering, like, 
is this maturity from him is this just experience is this just main character syndrome who knows it could be all of them i mean he definitely did get main character syndrome and well, that's what caused with, with the uh i want to be on the task force he yeah. honestly has it's funny because main character syndrome is usually used to describe when the writers don't have a good reason for the main character doing anything to that be, he's doing besides yeah. he's supposed to be at the front of the plot. To be who they are, basically. But this character, if he were a real person, would mm. have real life main character syndrome where he yeah. feels like he himself is the most important thing to him in the room. <laughs> so it's like, it's 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 true to the character to have main character syndrome, which I guess is also... I think convenient for the writers i think it's convenient and i think that they also maybe poke fun at main character syndrome too it is a comedy show i don't think that they're just oblivious to how they make him act right or, you and know, i mean honestly he's present in the so far in the front all the in, time in order to to write good comedy you have to be really intelligent and understand yes. everything that's going on and the best comedy has like deeper things going on behind it they do yeah it's it's often layered Community um, is the best example. Yeah, it's it's layered, and I think that they are aware of the main character syndrome that they give him because it's funny too. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, it was a character flaw at the beginning of the show. It was. Yeah, I wonder if they. But he turned it from being a flaw just into being a trait. It over, is a trait. over time, you know, through development. It is a trait of his. Um, and it, I thought it was funny too that you know he's going through um, you know, kind of he's he's talking through it. And he says that there are seven suspects, you know, that could have done this. Right. Charles, and, Rosa, Amy, Terry, Holt, Jake, and Scully. Sure. I guess. Um, leaving out Hitchcock. I, I just thought it was a little funny that um, it's a big precinct, but they just really only interact with each other. Yeah. You know? Well, also, they're the... They're the group of detectives they at are. this precinct. Yeah, but even then, detective work is a lot of talking, a lot of interacting with other, with other people, other um, departments, perhaps, you know, uh, because it's a lot of casework and, you know, I feel like it's a lot of talking. Right. Well, I mean, but it's still even, like <laughs> they're just within... so They're so tight-knit. It's just like yeah. they don't interact much with other people and other, like, or other work coworkers, I guess. It's just funny. Right. I think it's funny. <laughs> that he's fun. like, there's only it's only seven, and I'm like, oh, there's right. other work coworkers. There's like 400 people there's that work in this other, building. Other, but yeah, does another person randomly hate you? Who there's knows? like 30 people that work in this floor, but yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I think I think it's funny how close knit they well, are. Well, I mean, it it turns out to not be any of them at all. Yes. So <laughs> yes, easy wrong in that case. Yeah. Um, but okay, so. Jake wanted to prove himself in this situation. He wanted to right. solve the case. And he saw he an was opportunity. Like, he saw an opportunity to be the uh, detective that solves this uh, mystery, this mystery prank. But as soon as he's about to de declare himself as like the person that will solve this, Holt is like, Dillman, all called Dillman. And Jake's like, I I'm sorry? He's like, what? Uh, what? Uh, so we bring in Dillman. This is a new character. Um, J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's a guest appearance, pretty much. Right. Uh, and so <laughs> we have this new character. He's, he's quite an asshole, honestly. Um, well, he's really like Holt with a bit of a superiority complex. Yes. Um, so I was like, what is, what is the first impression of Dillman here? I mean, I 
you know, he has his, uh, his, his notorious quote, you know, I know everything about you as a person. Now I know everything about you as a person. Right. right? Um, and his, uh, film it double back. He really comes across like as such a, uh, harsh figure. And it's, it's interesting to see that collapse by the end of the episode. So that it's just, it's interesting. There are, uh, many different cult quote unquote characters that are introduced throughout the show yeah like um like the the cia director who was played mm -hmm. by the all-state guy yeah a couple seasons ago i totally forgot that wow holt's mom holt's mom um kevin to an extent you know it's funny that uh holt you know he the ones that he really interacts with and got along with the most these people um they do act a lot like him Yes, they're well very much kindred spirits. You know, uh, friends are usually a little bit similar, but yeah. in this case, they're extremely similar. Yeah, very stern and like stoic. Right. To it, like, um, I don't know how to say this. Hmm. Like, if if you were just like uh, weren't an avid watcher of the show, but you watched the episodes where Holt had like basically his friends that were exactly like him on there, you'd be like wow, like, why'd they just write the same character twice? But, like, there's so many, like... <laughs> like nuances? There, there's, yeah, there's so many nuances to each of the characters. Like I said, the um, Dillman is Holt, but with, like, more of a superiority complex. Definitely. He has, he, he tries to command the room. He really as, does. As, they, uh, as they've said before. Yeah, he does. He, he commands the room. Um, he wants to be, he, he establishes himself as top dog, pretty much. Right, he he walks in and tries to take over, whereas Holt kind of make tries to make sure to um, I don't know, be whatever is needed for the situation. I feel yeah, Which, he's not as since um, he's since he's captain, he, his situation is he needs to be in charge. But yeah, he's not as imposing or dominant. I guess is the right word. Yeah, yeah. Although oh. there there was a little bit of uh some top dogging when he was like taking over Jake's case in the first episode of the oh, season. Oh, definitely. I think, but that was um kind of a, a personal thing with him Yeah, yeah. and his, you know, in, in different weird situations. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a complex character. What can we say? Yeah. He's not always going to be the same. Um, so we, you know, we have Dillman that comes in and he's going to, solve this case but jake is like i'll solve it before him and then i'll be the person that's recommended for the task force right Holt it'll be perfect realize i'm i'm better than i'm Dillman. better than this guy this this prime example of like oh this is the best detective i've ever worked with holt has said <laughs> right um and so jake is like if i can beat him then obviously i deserve the spot so um i was wondering do we think that jake's need to solve this case before dillman um, in order to be like the best in Holt's eyes is also stemming from a little bit of personal jealousy, perhaps, because Jake has referred to Holt as a father figure several times. Uh, sometimes accidentally. Sometimes accidentally. I think it's a bit on purpose a few times as well. Um, and I was wondering, like, first and foremost, it's probably um, just he wants to be on this task force. He wants to be the one that's recommended. But I, right. I'm also wondering if there's a personal, a level of personal emotion that's coming through, too. That, that fuels it maybe yeah that was his his original thing was like i can use this to get on the task force but mm -hmm. then like holt brings in somebody else that he feels like and and uh jake's like oh i guess holt feels as though i am not the one to do this mm -hmm. but i mean 
honestly, uh, Jake was probably thinking about it too deeply there, and really, Holt was like, I need to bring in someone from the outside that couldn't have possibly mm-hmm. uh, been involved in this um, event. Yeah, because Holt wanted someone that was going to give an objective approach to this right. uh, case. but Which really, it, it really couldn't be Jake because it bombed his desk. Yeah. Which that was like, everybody's immediately like, well, Jake wouldn't blow up his own desk. Yeah, like that's ridiculous, right? But people are like, well, maybe it was a prank gone wrong, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, uh, anyway, so I, yeah, I was wondering if there was some sort of a little bit more emotion probably at play there, but it's not really like um, in your face or like uh, even said at all, of course, or shown that much. But I just think that that character would probably experience a little bit of that jealousy too. A little bit. Because I mean, at the end of the episode, um, Jake was like, well, now that Dillman's not your favorite detective, I <laughs> he bet, wanted the confirmation. Like, who yeah. was? Who is your favorite detective? And he's like, someone else. And, and he's like, who? <laughs> Jake's like, I've never even heard of this person. Yeah. So he definitely he strives to be strives to be the best. And um, in Holt's eyes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, from the beginning of the show, he wants to be the best. Yeah. He wants to be like. Bruce Willis and Die mm-hmm. Hard, like the man for the job yeah. at all times. But, but you know, over the course of building that relationship together, he now does want to be the best in Holt's eyes. He does want to please him, yeah. And just, you know, because it's like he's like a father to him. Yeah. <laughs> he's called him dad. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to play a game of catch, son? Oh my God. Yeah, I like that very much. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that very much. <laughs> um, that was good. So, moving on. <laughs> Moving on from Jake's uh, probably personal feelings here. His weird father issues. Um, Yeah, so just just a thing I wanted to point out because I thought it was just um, a plot device happening here. So we've established that Jake is getting the uh, classic main character treatment and, you know, because he's the main character and we just talked about that, how yeah. that's, that's how he functions. Uh-huh. Irony, whatever. Um. And, you know, everyone's buying into something they shouldn't while he remains skeptical and is essentially the underdog of the situation. And um, this is a plot device that's often used, but it still makes for a good story. And, like, it makes us root for Jake a lot. What Could you explain that a little further? Hmm. Like, um, what what is, or what, what is, what is he rooting for that everybody else isn't? No, we're rooting for him. Oh, we're, the audience is rooting for him. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Does that makes sense. Okay. Um, I'm I'm saying that he is the underdog of the situation. Right. And when yeah. we have an underdog, a, a case of an underdog, um, it causes the audience to root for the underdog. Right. And so it gives us kind of more of a motivation, like a personal connection, I guess, to uh Jake, to root for him because we want him to see him succeed. You know. Right. We don't want the like some dude to come up in here and, and like just show up steal our boy. A, yeah, steal a spotlight, whatever. It gives, I guess, a motive for the audience and that's just a a plot device I noticed happening. Um it's a common one, but it still works. It always works. It's weird. I it's weird <clears throat> to think why does that work though? Like I don't know. is it because like it has to be the right uh, person or right right character. Right. In is a it story. like us as like the audience are usually not in a case where we are in the upper hand? Or everybody thinks about like, yeah, I'm I'm usually the underdog in every situation. Yeah, it's it creates a lot of um rela- relatability 
and that you know everyone often does feel like they're the underdog of their story and they're going to come out on top and mm-hmm. it you know it's it makes us feel uh, most of the time as an audience as a collective audience we feel um connected to that right that's true yeah yeah relatable I'm, I'm all about abolishing systems me too <laughs> um yeah so that's that's what's going on here yeah um a funny thing to note dillman was surveying the scene so they let him do his thing that that one scene where he's you know walking around and right, he's like i'm gonna need this dust for fingerprints so i'm gonna need somebody to get rid of those pigeons over there <laughs> yeah um and you know he then started conducting the interviews he started with Rosa and I noticed that we are witnessing Holt fangirl over him, <laughs> which is really funny to see Holt fangirl over somebody because it's not so common at all. Yeah. I think the only, I can think of one other time off the top of my head that happened, which is when he met like the, uh, like a guy that like played the oboe and some sort of orchestra. <laughs> And when they were trying to figure out who stole that guy's instrument or whatever. Yeah. And he was like, he was definitely a little starstruck because that was the guy that played the oboe and that the thing. The guy that played the oboe. I don't I don't remember which instrument specifically it was, but it was a woodwind. I remember it's, that. It's fun seeing Holt fangirl over a person because like he has such a big smile. <laughs> yeah. When it happens. It's so it's so cute and it, he it's knows, delightful. He, he knows the guy's specific moves. Yeah. He's like, like oh. Oh, he's doing Watch, it. now he's going to do the double back. And he's like, yeah. double back. He's like, oh, he said the words. What a treat. What a treat. That's <laughs> so cute. I don't know why I just love that so much. I, I feel like that was definitely, it, I feel it, it's like fan service whenever they allow Holt to kind of act outside of his usual emote? character. Yeah, when right. they let him emote. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Well, yeah, I think you're right. It's funny because they also do fan service the opposite way where they have him go so deep into his character. It's like you don't even expect that. Yeah. Like when he, wait, is that on the future episode? Which one? Where, where he like read his uh, children's book where he was reading Elevator. Oh, that was, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> a later episode, which is funny. We get a peek at uh, Holt as a, as a child. We, we've had a couple of those before. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I think in the episode where we had his mom. Yeah, then, yeah. But, <laughs> that, that there's like both kinds of fan service. Him being him, which yeah. is just great, and then him emoting, like you said. Yeah, because it's so unex- unexpected. It comes out of left field. You're like, what? Whoa, who are you? Uh-huh. Um, speaking of Holt's uh, emotions and emoting, I guess, mm-hmm. um, Jake says that Holt is not the joyless robot he once was. That's true. And Holt was like, is this about that time I ate a burrito? I was, <laughs> I was pressured into it. I was pressured into it, you know. Yeah. But Jake's statement is true. Um, and I think that this is very proven by um, his arc as a beat cop. Remember? Like yes. literally just uh, several episodes ago. Like two episodes ago, he was still in there. He was. We have talked about it like time and time again. Um, when he is just, when he was demoted and he was, you know, pretty beaten down, I guess. Um mm-hmm. He just let it all hang out. He really did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. He his, the sass was cranked up to uh, eleven. It uh, it was, was like, a lot. Let me guess. Charles and Jake are dead. 
<laughs> and it's like no oh my gosh and that episode with um Wunsch's funeral is just some oh. of the funniest shit he's ever said <laughs> I, it's amazing because he just he just doesn't give a shit anymore oh uh, yes he doesn't uh, care a Korean toilet ghost you know when it comes he, out from underneath you as you're like it's abs- he's a being absurd and like wild and like what is that but like not it's still contained still very much contained in, in his in, ways in episode two when they're going with uh Captain Kim and every most <gasps> of his lines in that episode before like they get to the party is yeah. him going mm-hmm very sassy mm-hmm. the the sass jumps out when right. he is just you know, he's not a captain. <laughs> right. But now he, he feels like he needs to be professional. So yeah. you see a lot of a lot of that get pulled back once again. We do. But there's still like a little there's bit. There's still peaks of that. There's like, uh, I don't know. He's created neural pathways which allow him to uh, express himself more around his colleagues. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, it's become more routine for him. Yeah. And in that same scene, we get some funny commentary on uh, unlikely duos, mainly uh, duos in lunch. But honestly, this really pertains to um, the show as a whole when right. they, they, when they say, often pair off. They say lunch duos to make it not a fourth wall breaking thing. But it's quite meta, I yeah. think. I think this is a meta moment for sure. Um, you know, the first unlikely duo is Hitchcock and Scully with anyone else. Right. Which they're is just true. With them, they're just with themselves always. And the second is Holt and Boyle. Right. Um, with, I don't, <clears throat> I can't specifically think of any story scenarios where Holt and Charles are partnered up We're together. just like, you know, because they often, especially in Forgive the, me for not having watched the show more than twice. Yeah. <laughs> and we watched the first season. Now we're watching the seventh season. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we've seen the entire thing before, but like in terms of rewatching it, right? Um, well, we we we've skipped only around to cover the, the newest se- season. Yeah, but we've only rewatched the first season, so we are in the process of rewatching this as we do the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I I can't recall as a uh like a story um because they have like story A, story B, story B. Oftentimes, did they have episodes. a hi- did they work together in a heist once? I can't remember because a lot of this, we when we first watched it, we blew through it. So a lot of oh, the yeah. stuff is totally lost now. Binging. Um, binging ruins your memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can't remember at all, especially later episodes. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. there's, there's definitely like, I'm thinking, um, what's another Amy and Charles? Amy and Charles is a good one. We don't yeah. see that a lot. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I feel like I feel like everybody partners up with each uh, other a lot. Yeah, and Jake is often with partner partnered up a lot with with, with different people. Well, because he's the main character, yes, so he has character. to be dynamically available always. But uh, I think most of the time when Terry's involved with Jake, Charles is also usually there. Yeah, that's usually a trio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a Doug trio. <laughs> I just I thought that was funny. Like they. So I sort of pointed it out because the, the show does function in terms of like Not having so these subtle different stories. Commentary. Yeah, they have these you know stories uh, going on at once, and there's often pairs or sometimes like uh, three people at once. Yeah. Um, and we often don't see uh, Holt and Charles doing something for an episode. Mm-hmm. So that, funny. Uh, almost breaking the fourth wall. I love that. Yes. 
Uh, also, during this scene, this is a big scene. Um, this, you know, this scene that happens with, uh, you know, the interview and they're behind the glass. Right, yeah. Um, it is revealed that Holt had offered the task force position to Boyle. Jake is clearly disappointed by the news, um, but Boyle isn't planning on taking the position. Um, I was wondering, you know, what is this? Uh, what does it say about Boyle as a detective? Because I think it says some great things, you know. And then, I guess we'll uh, get to this later, but um, I was wondering about, like, Jake's, uh, uh, I don't know, him as a friend, like, how he functions, like, as a friend to Charles. Anyway, this whole scene is, we're going to talk about was going to speak to those questions a lot. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like Charles's reaction is more about that him as a father takes precedence yeah. over everything. It does. Um, you know, Nicolaj is his whole life. Right. That's, that's his that's his baby. Um, so he does put that first, I guess, before being a detective. But the fact that he is offered this position says a lot about his capabilities and his skill mm -hmm. as a detective. And, you know, he is so often portrayed. He is the comic relief. There's a lot of comic relief, but he is a main source of comic relief. He is wild and goofy and silly and um, uninhibited. He is a lot. He's a lot. So to see him put in this light of like, he was the one offered this position. It's like feeling like the weight of like, Oh, remember he's a, like really capable detective. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Remember that he's actually really good at what he does. It's it's um. Yeah, he's I never, love those moments. It's because they never really they never show him. They show him being like kind of like a, a fumbling weirdo in like personal situations. <laughs> yeah. Where it has to do with like friend to friend situations or mm -hmm. a boil interacting with the world. Yeah. But they never show him being like a fumbling weirdo when it comes to his professional life. No. They don't they don't portray him as a bad cop. They portray No, that's Hitchcock and Scully. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, portray those them. two as bad cops. Um so th there's a there's a difference in uh like these uh comic relief characters that, you know, one is still um capable than the other pair that, that are ridiculous and don't really do their job. Right. They didn't stick a Jar Jar Banks in here. They didn't. Um but I love I love those moments with Charles where it's like He's it's it's just it's ham fisted a lot, you know his his ridiculousness. Um, also, I'm sure that um, when Holt was considering, he might have considered Charles because Charles hasn't spent a lot of time at like the head of a project. Yeah, maybe he was like, hey, this is your chance to you know get some really nice experience under your belt, like. Rosa was in charge. Rosa yeah. and Jake were in charge of that drug busting tra task force. Yeah, it's like, like a timing thing, probably. Like, Amy, hey, it's your time. Amy's a sergeant now. Yeah, Terry's all good. Yeah, like Charles is the only person in the group, really. It seems that doesn't have any like large accomplishments in his career. He has a yeah. lot of. He has a really good history, He's just but very there's stable. nothing. Right, right. Nothing that stands out. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, also. Regarding Jake, um, he was actually very concerned about Charles's reasoning for not taking the position. His first instinct was to question, because um, Charles is just that friend that will like 
you know, kind of put you first. Yeah. Which yeah. is rare, I must say. Uh-huh. Um, he wanted to, Jake wanted to make sure that the reason that he wasn't taking it was on like his behalf. Like you're like, are you, are you sure that this is for you and your child and not for me? Because this can't be for me. Right. You know, that's, that speaks a lot to right. Jake, Jake as a friend. He had a really bad initial reaction. It wasn't even that like terrible. It was just very like hurt and disappointed. And he had, mm-hmm. he had like had to get away before he said something rude probably. Um, so right. he excused himself, but, but like, after he didn't like thinking scream. over it. Yeah. He was like, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a weird reaction. Uh, please like, uh, he was like, um, make sure. What, what am I saying? He was l- trying to make sure that Charles wasn't making that decision based on Jake's reaction. Yeah. Or like, because Jake had been talking about this position and Charles didn't break the news to him, um, because he wasn't planning on taking it. Right. But he he knew that Jake wanted this so badly. I'm sure Charles um, also didn't want Jake to feel like Holt's second choice. Yeah, that's why he wasn't going to tell him that. Yeah. Um. Also, I, I don't know. I appreciate Jake that he's. Um, Charles is. It's a weird. It's a weird friendship because um, Charles is a friend that will. Like I said, put him, put his friend first, and he's very, he's very selfless and um, so ridiculously encouraging and not self-centered, and that's so ridiculously rare to find in a person. But that's the, this is the kind of friend where you have to watch out for them. Like Charles would, you know, probably give up some stuff for Jake. Like not something like this, perhaps, but um, Charles would would. 100% like you know I don't know give something up for Jake right yeah. like, he's the kind of friend that would do that so I think Jake is just really uh, wonderful and looking out for Charles and um no, right, not g- fully g- taking it not fully taking advantage of of his nature right yeah yeah it's almost like um I would call Charles's attitude like uh medieval slash fantasy characters where the main <laughs> character you has friends that tag along, but for some reason the friends are always like treat the main character as a leader because yeah. like, you know, in these feudal times, there always needs to be one person at the head of something because mm-hmm. there's chaos everywhere. But in yeah. like modern times, everyone's their own person expected to look out for themselves, at least in like American culture, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's a, that's a good comparison. He's a helpful elf. That's, that's a good comparison. I like that. <laughs> a loyal bard <laughs> I singing enjoy that. his songs. He is a bard. Um, yeah, it's it's nice that Jake was looking out for Charles and in, in um his reasoning and wanting to do this. Why is Charles a bard but with like a a two charisma score? Like he, you know, like usually bards are like you know farming. up with up with the ladies. You oh, know, always you mean like a. Room, a like, Toss a coin. I was gonna say. Witcher. I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> The Witcher. Right. Well, he also does not have a whole ton of charisma, but no, he at but least he's can, got like a he, five charisma at least. Perhaps. Right. He can like pull it off in certain situations. Certain situations. And um, uh, you would not know, but classically in D and D, 
Oh boy. Bar- bards always have a high charisma score because they use that a lot for their different spells. They can use a variety of spells. They have spells? Right, and a lot of people like pick bards because bards do stupid shit all the time. That's Wait, like, that sounds fun. I'd be a bard. I- I'm going to try and like, like, the, like the dungeon master is all like, all right, a uh, bad guy approaches and he's like getting angry. What do you do? And the bard's like, I seduce him. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, really? <laughs> Everyone's like, hmm, no, don't do that. Uh, how about you don't? And how then about it's you don't? <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I fuck him. <laughs> you and, roll a thing and then, and then like, you fuck him. Nat twenty, and it's like I move into a cottage on the hillside. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> no, <laughs> just gets ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I love that. But uh, Charles is like <laughs> a very odd out. Like he has like the behavior of like a bard in a fantasy setting, but complete opposite of a bard in a D and D setting. Incredible, Aaron. Incredible comparison. <laughs> I love that. Um, let, let's let's move on. Let's jump forward. Um, Jake gets accused, and he, you know, case closed by Dillman. Holt believes it, um, and Holt suspends him, uh, and nearly fires Jake because right. it was called for like a firing, basically. But Holt um, was like, mm. Mm, no. Um, so I was wondering. If, uh, like, Holt believed Dillman, like, instantly. He was like, okay, he's right. It's Jake. You're you're suspended. Get out of here. And I was wondering, like, this, this blind trust of Dillman, like, is this some sort of a character flaw at play happening here? Well, I don't know if it was blind trust. It's more like it made sense what, he, what Dillman was saying. Mm-hmm. And, like, he didn't. He also, like, did not know Dillman from his history to be someone that would, like, pull a prank or do something out of, like, weird selfish behavior. Yeah, this this kind of deceitful behavior that is actually going on. But Jake, from his introduction, Mm -hmm. was that foil of Holt. And, like, Jake was always, like, being childish and trying to, like, pull things over on people and, Mm -hmm. like... Maybe Jake did do this because he was like uh, trying to take advantage of like the task force because you know well it's like well he was really motivated to try and take that so Jake like, has yeah always kind of been quote unquote a, a problem child yeah, <laughs> for yeah. Holt sometimes mm-hmm. and I guess that still peeks through when yeah. uh, and that's why he just believed Delman and that like yeah yeah it's probably Jake because He's Jake like, has done some fucky shit so yeah I believe it well that makes sense yeah which also like. At the end of the episode, like Holt is like, I've lost a lot of respect for you today. He says that to Dillman because <laughs> he's like, he now has learned that, you know, in dire times, Dillman is like moves to some more uncouth behaviors. Shady, very shady stuff. And it's um, ironic because it's different than what, what uh, Holt introduced him as like in the beginning of this, uh, this cop that was, or this detective that was, um, that hated dirty cops. Right, right. hated dirty cops. Called he was a he was the straight man. Yeah, yeah. So that he's going against this uh, supposed nature that he had, where he didn't like dirty cops or corruption of any kind, and now mm-hmm. he's being shady and being like getting oh, nearly getting someone fired for something that they didn't do. And I feel like he was doing Dillman was doing something that often children do with their parents, where it's like the kid falls into a bad situation but instead of like 
going to the parent to try and help them like fix what has happened to get some help. They like weave a weird story around the whole thing to try and make yeah. it look like nothing was wrong while they try and secretly get their parents to think that it was their idea to help them. <laughs> and now it's like, well, it would have just there would have been a lot less trouble and a lot less respect lost if Dillman would have just gone home and been like, Hey dude, I'm having like a, a really rough patch in my career. If you could like help me out with a recommendation Literally, he probably he, could have gotten a recommendation and gotten a yeah, job. Yeah, that's some serious ego happening because he could have just kind of, I guess, humbled himself and said, like, I just need, I, I'm reaching out for help here. But instead right. he came in as, like, still the top dog, still, like, the, the guy that commands the room, as we right. described him, that's, and wanted to maintain that facade yeah. because he loves it. That's a character flaw that only, like, shows itself in dire situations. Yeah. It's something that doesn't appear all the time where you realize that somebody that has a strong, uh, like, uh, people-facing behavior, that when that um, reputation is put at risk... Yeah, the, it, the perception of you. Right, the person's like, shit, well, I can't let anybody think that I blinked in this situation. Mm-hmm. But whereas really most of the time it's more respected or it should, I feel like good people more so respect like uh, someone showing that like, Hey, this is rough and I need help rather yeah, than like humanity in the situation. Right. Like I, I think you're like a, I don't know. I, I think in most cases you'd probably be a pretty like shitty person if you were like, wow, I guess you were a, really weak to come to ask me for help <laughs> that's like a villain thing to say yeah um yeah i know and i think it was just dillman didn't want to lose any res- any respect from holt but he played himself and he did right. lose a ton of respect because he was he overthinking fucked up. he fucked up he, he kind of ruined his reputation now <laughs> yeah um he he did some shady stuff and you know holt was like no i i I lost a great deal of respect for you. That's some uh, character development that we'll never see pay off. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, so speaking of, uh, you know, th- this whole, uh, you know, I guess Dillman uh, accusing Jake. They they end up, uh, we end up in the scene where Dillman and Jake are like pointing fingers at each other now. So like Jake comes back and he's like, no, wait, hang on. It was actually you, Dillman. And they go back and forth. It's it's a lot at once. Yeah. Um, and you know they, they ended up at a point where they're like they're like it was him, and at the same time pointing at each other. But Boyle steps in and he cracks the case. Right. He steps in with the the bullhorn, right? Right. He comes in with the with the uh, reveal that he was right from the beginning, even though he was like slightly shamed into not. He was, he was shamed by Rosa, who just doesn't give a shit if she's, you know, causing chaos. She was like, I stand by it. I was like, I stand by it, I don't care. Right. Um, Charles thought that um, neither of them did it, and it was somebody outside of their, mm -hmm. of Jake's list of suspects. His his hunch was right, for sure. Um, This is just something that I am pointing out because it should be acknowledged, this whole scene. Um, The, you know, it turns out the prank was a distraction to help ruin evidence from a murder, um, it turns out that it was uh, the guy from earlier, uh, Howard Booth, Officer right. Howard Booth. 
Yeah, some um, lo- little foreshadowing. He's the one that planted the glitter bomb thing. Yeah. Um, and it ruined the evidence. And um, he is the brother-in-law of a defendant in court. So that's his connection. Yeah. That's his motive. Um, the defendant wanted to make sure the murder suspect uh was found guilty. Yeah. That's the reasoning. Um, and during this whole big reveal, Charles, you know, like like the badass that he is, already has Booth booked. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, oh, I figured this out. Here we go. This is such a dope moment. This is a great moment from Charles. Well, that's I, just a acknowledge more Let's to acknowledge. prove and remind the audience, like, hey, like we said earlier, mm-hmm. Charles is a very competent detective. He's so and competent. Totally deserves to be on the task force. One hundred percent. This is just like it's kind of a full circle moment. You know, it's just it's just proving what is already established here. Yes. With um Charles as a detective. And it's nice. And I enjoy that. Um and also in that full circle moment, Charles ended up being the one with the objective perspective in this case and not Dillman. This he was the objective perspective that Holt was looking for, hence it makes sense as to why Holt even chose him in the first place. Charles has good instincts. It's great. Title of your acoustic solo album. <laughs> objective perceptions. Objective perspective. Objective perspective. Sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is that's a great moment from Charles, and I love this. And so, uh, I love this for him. Um, and then we also get a little bit of uh, you know, some uh character work. I don't want to say development, but just some like character stuff from Jake. Um, he apologizes for how he reacted earlier. Um, when Charles was offered the position he wanted. And that's nice. It's a good moment from him because it just, I think, further proves that Jake is not, you know, because Charles is such a submissive friend, Jake doesn't really take much advantage of that. He doesn't end up being then the selfish friend that is all like, me, me, me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he he tries to sometimes deflect from that because Charles is so hyper-focused on him sometimes. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I forget what I was going with that, but I, I think you just said your point. Like Jake okay. isn't taking advantage <laughs> yeah. of of Charles's like <laughs> weird hyper care of Jake. Yeah. That for some reason extends to Boyle's entire family where it does. remember it's... his dad was gonna come home for, uh, early from a funeral to watch <gasps> Jake on television in the what first episode. Is that? What is that? It's like they 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 treat Jake at like he's gold. You know? They they treat Jake like people used to treat British royalty. Like one hundred percent they do. Right. Oh, uh, we have to make sure this god is honored at all times. <laughs> um. Yes, and that that is all I have for. Uh, sort of discussion points, questions, whatever, and all that. And let's move into some of, of of our favorite jokes and quotes from this episode. Ooh, neat. This is some great stuff. Um, <laughs> I What I loved was Amy tells Jake that he sounds like a Nazi while trying to do this Belgian <laughs> accent. It happens like once in, in like the beginning. And then later on, Jake tries to do the, the accent again. He's like, nope, still too Nazi. <laughs> right, because I feel like the problem was he was like, he was going with the high pitch German accent. It was like, oh, which is what it's, all like the weird, like evil German scientists sound like. They're all like, here I am with my death ray. And oh, it's really heavy, really shrill. It's so shrill. Like, he could have just taken a normal. Like I went Russian. I can't. That was very Russian. I can't. I you know it, actually How it's do you hard do a to do. Accent? 
I don't know what a Belgian accent sounds like. Me either. I really don't know. Well, I was trying to... How do I do a German one without being shrill? Well, I don't is know. there a way to do that? There is. I feel like I've done it before, but it's hard to pull it out of my ass. I'm not a character actor. <laughs> where? Out of where, Aaron? My ass. Your ass. Um. Also, Holt saying, my God, I have goose flesh. Right. Not goosebumps. I have goose flesh. What the hell is that? <laughs> Just okay. a, Holt, a Holt-ism. It's a good Holt-ism. Um, and then I loved this little interaction um, where, like, Dillman says something. He, like, he, you know, he's doing his Dillman thing, and Charles gasps. <gasps> and Jake is like, don't gasp for him. What are you doing? I'm sorry. And, I just slipped out. And Rosa walks by, title of your sex tape. And, and Jake is like, yeah, obviously, title of sex tape. Everyone's taking my stuff. <laughs> right. That's, Jake, that's Jake's thing. He he's, says title of your sex he's tape. He's throwing a temper tantrum because everyone's being cooler than he is at the moment. <laughs> They're taking his usual quips. Yes. Um, and my last thing that I just thought was hilarious was during Boyle's big reveal when he is um, solving, like he's solving the case. Um, the room that he is trying to command gives him invi- advice on doing big, re- big reveals. Um, they say not so much waffling, command the room. Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, pick up the they're giving. They're doing like confidence coaching on the spot. On the <laughs> spot. And it's so funny. Like I, I, I thought it was so cute. Like it was cute to me, right? And and Charles took it literally. literally. He was like, "Okay, yeah, 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 right. yeah." yeah he's, right, because he kept going like, "Well, I mean, you know what I thought was that possibly." Yeah, and Jake's like, and Jake Holt and Dillman were all, all like, chime in. "They were all like, hey, um, you need to be confident in what you're saying in order for people to believe you." Like they give him constructive cr- criticism on like presenting, right? Um, because he doesn't do it very often. It reminds me of like something like my mom always said to me it's very much like a parent moment for all of them because i i would always be like well i like well i was going to and she was like were you or are you like (laughs) yes um that so those are uh those are some of my favorite uh funny moments from the um this episode uh two more i'd Mm. like to add add them go ahead uh when um scully is covered in glitter at the beginning yeah he's like i don't know i can't feel my face and <laughs> and jake was like well uh no offense but is that something you could normally feel and then scully's like oh well i guess i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> he can't normally feel his face he has so, so many things wrong with him he has so many things wrong with him and then uh terry accidentally smashing a window while trying to that. shut it gently because he forgets his own strength Oh, that that was so funny. That was in the little compilation where um, uh, Boyle tries to like throw a football in the office and the He's, bullpen and it breaks. Boyle's trying to bro out. Bro out. He's he like, can't throw yo, catch, bro. He can't like, catch, bro. He can't that throw is, it properly. That is not Boyle. Um, uh, speaking of Boyle, um, I have a Boyleism for you. Oh. Charles supposedly went through a year-long phase where he called everyone babe. <laughs> that is so Charles. What's up, babe? That's so weird. Hey, babe, can you take a look at this file? That's so weird. <laughs> it's going everyone, babe. And he was like, I forget. Did ever, Did you guys like that? And everyone went, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I love him. Don't do that. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, moving on. Moving on. Some character knowledge. Uh, Holt loves clunky acronyms. He finds them catchy. Right. Uh. This is this has happened before with um, oh my gosh, what is that from? What the the black 
gang yes. police like officer. Yes, his um his organization that he started. Right. That he like founded. Right. Um, I totally forget the acronym, but he is like, yeah, it's a good acronym. Right, and it just had some like random like a bauga it was it was a very large acronym he likes large acronyms he for sure he he loves them and Uh, for some reason he can like always uh, i commend the actor for like memorizing the order of those letters and saying them correctly seriously he's (laughs) andre is really good at um at the very technical stuff that holt has to do yes yeah i love that which i mean as me me and brooke watched an interview with with him before where he most of his acting history is in very serious roles. Yeah. But yeah. so he has some like, whereas most of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine cast, besides I guess Terry, who's done like action movies, mm-hmm. but like they mostly have like improv comedy. Yeah. Like a, a background. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, he doesn't have um like comedy experience. So he's playing this, uh, this cop that is, serious but also hilarious right so yeah he you know he has to kind of bring in some of that serious acting in his other work but um have this you know comedic twist and effect that happens through um some of the drawn out pauses and his uh his serious tone and all those mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. that those little little details that we love about holt um where am i okay so rosa takes buzzfeed quizzes and gets angry about her results <laughs> which is what is she doing? Why are you taking BuzzFeed quizzes? <laughs> I used to take quizzes a lot. I, I used took, to take a ton I took on Facebook. quizzes before BuzzFeed existed. I took them on Facebook. I, I took a ton of them on Facebook. I googled random websites. Why? For quizzes. Oh my I gosh. went to quiz websites. Uh, incredible. Um, Jake and Amy have an accountant, and and uh, the accountant hate who is a woman hates Jake. Yeah. Uh, also, never saving his receipts. Seriously, like what? They had, that's cool. I have an accountant. I wish I had an accountant, but yeah. I don't. Um, and Charles was a cleaning lady in college. That's a great little detail. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> I needed like, to know oh, that he I was. I guess there's, I guess there's no real uh, word for a cleaning man. <laughs> um, and then Rosa watches a soap opera on a different floor over lunch, so she can watch them in private. She watches one in particular that that she used to bond with. Uh, uh, her mother so that when, when the relationship wasn't so great like she used that to bond with her um, and I just thought had to pause at this moment where she said that you know she used this show to like have something to talk about like with her mother um, because I thought that it was great for this show to have a little bit of this kind of realism and family dynamics and, and just a little glimmer they the show is so often so silly and goofy and we don't get i mean i guess i think what i'm trying to say is these little nuggets of realism are just so lovely when we get them because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's such a goofy and lighthearted show and they're always really on point i just had to commend them for um just i don't know this tiny bit of realism that hurts your heart you know in such a Silly and goofy show. Well, they have the same kind of um, methodology as like old like 80s and 90s sitcoms where there was like, you know, there was that random one episode in the season where it's like 
you know, our our children main characters learn about alcoholism and like yeah, learn oh about oh my goodness or <laughs> like is this a full house right right there's like a a there, lesson like it's mostly a comedy show but like while there is a lesson at the end of every show there's yeah. some episodes that like the full episode is like oh shit we're dealing with something real here yeah yeah whereas like you know because um this show did it before with like in my favorite example when terry was getting frisked by a cop just because he was no, black he was yes. getting profiled yeah um you know that's a really excellent point be, um to bring up because it's um the show is um I, I don't know it's it's a little different in that it really does hit home with a lot of uh important topics and yeah. it'll it'll come out come out of nowhere almost because it's such a silly show yeah um that when they do give you these moments of realism it hits hard and it's oftentimes a lot of things that people as a as a mass as a a, a massive audience can relate to and yeah. know of and ex- and just i don't know it's a collective ex- experience i guess um yeah that's why like i i had to like just kind of pause at that little comment she made because it made me think like there are probably so many like um viewers out there that like i'm sure related to that to like that that tiny nugget of realism and like you know being like i i, I feel that i get that you know um well, i mean I like thought that, I thought that was just i don't I feel, know that's a like nice I little touch relate to that because i mean when i i was a very i was a very angsty teenager sometimes mm-hmm. and i you know as teenagers are i did i did not have like the best I was really terrible at communicating with my dad for like mm-hmm. a long time because yeah. I'm just like, ooh, go sit in my room by yeah. myself all the time. Yeah. I don't talk to anybody, but we always went and saw superhero movies in the theaters together. Yeah. And we always like to talk about like different no, like fantasy shows and stuff. It's it's an incredibly common thing, um, especially like for like, you know, like your situation, like, um, you know, teenagers of or any anyone of any age, a child of any age. Um, that has a, uh, I guess, a not so great relationship with with a parental figure that um, they will try and find at least something to break the awkwardness or, you know, bond with them over something that is kind of trivial. um, But it gives you that sense of like companionship, I guess, or at least closeness that you desire. But it's always, it's not as easy when, you know, you don't have something to talk about, I guess. Yeah, well, I feel like that's, um, I feel like that's something that even, like, we, us, in a relationship could relate to. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, even when, like, there might be, like, some sort of argument or disagreement going on, we can always go back to our similar interests to, for both of us to show that, like, we're still good. Like, mm-hmm. even though there's, like, some like stuff going on right now we're still good and that's Mm -hmm. like the same thing with like rosa and her mom Mm -hmm. she she was trying to her and her mom were trying to be like i still want to have a relationship with you i still want to have a rapport Mm -hmm. i still want to be your mom i still want to be your daughter but even though there's disagreements going on yeah yeah they have disagreements often not often but (laughs) like it i there there were times where it's like we have like a s- argument about something and then we'll like watch TV for like an hour and then we'll get back to the argument <laughs> with like, <laughs> with clearer heads. With a calmer attitude, I guess. Right. Yeah. 
because I, I definitely do not handle any situation well at first. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> when I have to bring up something, yeah. Ew, are we talking about our relationship on the podcast? That's not air or dirty laundry. Well, <laughs> why not? Well, this is not dirty laundry. I just say we're good. We're good. Everybody has arguments. We're engaged and it's, we're in love. It's, it's healthy to have arguments, which... Honestly, it is. Which is... Not arguments all the time. No, like it's but not like, healthy to be constantly arguing. I'm gonna say disagreements and um uh t- talking through conflict is what I'm gonna call it. Talk, right, talk throughs. Right, instead of like I'm gonna I- yell. ignoring it. Like obviously, if you've never, I didn't realize that because like mm-hmm. in my my last relationship I was in, I was definitely like we never argue about about anything mm-hmm. ever, and no, it but, was like yeah. because we I feel like we were ignoring some like some core issues <laughs> no i was also in a relationship that um for a year and a half where we did not argue once <laughs> not once we there was not one argument not one disagreement not one like hey this makes me feel weird like just trying to remain like, like keep the facade of happiness and pureness um as not to, to taint the relationship or make it feel like oh are we not in love anymore ah that's so scary like you have and when, when something's wrong you need to talk about it Right, um, you shouldn't feel as though you need to uh, make sure that the other person is like, oh, cool, they don't get angry about things. Oh, this person's so chill, I can do whatever I want. Right, and like, then no. like, shitty behavior and, continues. And, you know, often, you know, when you when you do hold that stuff in, and it triggers a lot of resentment later on, and it just turns the relationship very sour, so you gotta be careful <laughs> right, in what which you hold in. We did get, a, like, a little taste of that in the... um the episode where we dealt with Rose's parents directly. Yeah. I don't remember that episode too well, so I, I can't wait to get to that one so I, I can talk about it. I, I don't remember most of the meat of the episode. I just remember, I feel like 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 Jake went along with Rosa for like uh, to like be with her parents for her to like come out to them. Mm-hmm, yeah. As bisexual. Right, yeah. I They didn't take it well, I'm sure. And then like... There was like reconciliation, but then there wasn't. I don't really. Remember. Well, yeah, because there was other problems besides that. Like, yeah. you know, we know that Rosa was in like juvie for a bit. Yeah. She acted out a lot as yeah. a kid. So, and her parents, instead of you know helping her through things, were like, "Wow, what a shitty kid. Let's get rid of that one." Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did, did we just bring down the mood we by did. talking about serious a little things? bit? <laughs> um, but no, I I had I had to point out because they just. Like like they've been done before. They just have these little moments where it's like that felt real. Yeah. You know, that was that's something that a ton of people can relate to. Oh my God. It's just they have these these tiny moments like that. Or sometimes even episodes that are all centered around that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, I had to just talk about it and bring that up because I'm sure lots of people could relate to it, as they often do, um, when they talk about such uh I don't know, touchy topics or situations. Yeah. Um, anyway, so last two things I wanted to um, bring up. I wanted to talk about lessons and takeaways. Oh. Um, I think that some of the takeaways here. Um, Besides having a good relationship with people for <laughs> uh, entertainment. Um, people change and they won't always live up to your idealized version of them. Yeah. That That's- happened with Holt. That's interesting because yeah. usually when we talk about people changing, it's usually like people can change for the better. For the better. And but sometimes, you know, you see new colors and uh, they weren't as good as you thought they were. Yeah. 
yeah, um, Holt had to kind of experience that the hard way with um, right. his admiration of Billman and he just finding out that he's, you know, he's fallen so far from grace and here he is doing some really shady stuff. Right. I'm and sure that was a, a thing look. where Holt went home to Kevin and like said, like, I'm really surprised at myself for not seeing that in him. But you yeah, know, I guess he's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Holt does pride himself on knowing knowing people very well. He does, yeah. Um, and then, uh, be happy for your friend's accomplishments. Yeah, that's a nice little takeaway, I think. Uh, yeah. And Jake does end up being happy for Charles, and uh, he ends up actually forcing Charles to be happy for he himself. He literally <laughs> forces him and says, "No, you like just take it and like stop. Take the win, Charles. Stop simping. <laughs> yes." Take the win, Charles. Right. It's a good... It, that, I feel like that's a really good one because there's like... um, I don't know. There was a lot of struggle with... Especially within like the last like two generations of like people are trying to be like good for themselves because yeah. they're what they... A lot of people weren't raised in an environment uh, of um, very much encouragement of individual of every part of somebody's individuality. Mm -hmm. So now, as adults, like some people take it to the extreme where they use our current climate of empowerment to like take an extra advantage and only empower themselves. Ooh. And then like there's people that are like still not getting the point of the empowerment and they're not like empowering themselves. So then they're just like, oh. I'll just empower everyone else. Like mm -hmm. they're they're the Charles of the situation, <laughs> but often not everybody has the good sense of Jake to be like, "Hey, you know, you're awesome too." Instead of just like tramping all over everyone else's accomplishments. With one hundred percent, yes. Oh my God, yeah. There's a ton of people um, that uh, can be uh, similar to Jake in his position, um, but they are not as good-hearted or as kind. Um, as to let another person shine, they are just like the person that wants to be, uh, like it's me, me, me all the time. Like, look at my accomplishments. Look right. at me. Because I um, mean, Jake almost got the task force. Yeah. And he was going to take that, but he made sure that mm -hmm. Charles for of Charles's reasoning. Yeah. And then at the end, he was like, "No, Charles, Charles super deserves the task yeah. force." Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, yeah, we don't we don't find a ton of people like Jake, um, out right. there. Make, world. make sure y'all y'all are good to other people out there. Yeah, make you, sure you you definitely should be be bringing yourself up. Mm -hmm, Self care sure. is a thing. Make sure that you're not you know doing any like weird. I don't know. It, it's tough to have a good vision of yourself sometimes. It is, but also like don't have too good a vision of yourself. Don't like yeah. Don't I you know put yourself on such a pedestal that like that you think your accomplishments are the best accomplishments. And even if you are super accomplished, like that doesn't diminish anyone else's smaller accomplishments. Like that, you know, say like, I don't even know. I can't give you an yeah, example. You don't need to, you don't need to uh, rain on other people's parades. Basically. Yeah. You know, just... even if it, even if it's uh, disguised as relatability. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, encourage others, empower others. Um, Empower yourself, but don't do too much of one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't overdo it on one or the other. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's our takeaways. That's our lessons for you. 
We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> this was a long podcast. Uh, it was only 11 minutes longer than usual. Oh, sweet. That's actually really good. An hour and 11 minutes. We're um, sitting there. This was a ton of talking. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy this more? Yeah, I, I think I enjoyed it more. I, I, with, I think this would be more fun to listen to. It felt more fluid. More fluid, but also it, it's just a lot of kind of talking out the ass. And hopefully that's more entertaining and you know it gets you thinking and it maybe you're also participating in the conversation but like we can't hear you so we're sorry maybe you're yelling at us right now you don't know so if you like things coming out of our asses you can email us <laughs> trwpod at gmail.com or dm us on instagram Aww. at trwpod tell us how you like the episode tell us your thoughts on this episode of brooklyn i9 we can uh you know Comment on your comments on a future episode, maybe. Yes. And don't forget to follow and rate us on whatever platform you're wa- you're listening to us on. I almost said watch. This <laughs> is not a visual thing. It's not visual. Yeah, but uh, you know, we like to see uh those 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 follower numbers going up. We do. It makes us feel like we're creating a show that's enjoyable. Yeah. Thanks so much for the continued support of the people who are listening. Thank you so much. We recognize you. We see you and we love you. Seriously. It means a lot. We, uh, we just, like I said, we don't get to see you guys or like, we don't hear from you very much. Like, like we don't, we don't know if, uh, if you guys are enjoying this or are here watching, listening. Whoops. Yeah. I always felt like, um, like we don't, we feel like, you know, are we talking to nobody? Podcasting and internet stuff is like, either you're shouting into a void and then suddenly the void talks back. Yeah, like it's right? not it's either it's either no one's talking to you or mm. hundreds of people are talking yeah, to you. Yeah. Yeah, so um it's it's good to see, you know, see you guys listening and uh see you even interacting. DM us, love us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. And I think uh with that uh we done here. We're done. All right. We did it. Um uh, yeah, let us know if this was good. <laughs> <laughs> we just I just want to make this as enjoyable as possible. Right. I have never run a a podcast that this is our first time show. doing this. Yeah, where I'm so I'm just like, how? What is the best format? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.